0: We are now in part three of our series, "The Dreamer." Before we dive in, I have to give a little disclaimer from last week. I don't have to do these very often because I I, I write my entire sermons out in manuscript form because of this, so I don't have to do that, and and I try to stay real close to my notes. But I got kind of off last week, and and it was in the eleven fifteen service, and I was talking. If you remember in the sermon, I don't know if you were in that service or this service, but. I was talking about, you know, the, the, the importance of not being around negative people, people who are always uh, bringing negativity up, you know, and just reminding us of who we once were and not who we are now in Christ, amen, and, I, you know, we, that we need to kind of separate ourselves and remove ourselves and run, really, from those kind of people, and then in the second service, it, it just hit me, you know, but unless it's your spouse it does that, okay? And, and then I said something right after that, that I, I changed gears in my mind, but not in my speech. And I said, because I get that all the time. And <laughs> now, of course, I didn't mean my wonderful, beautiful wife, Kathy, but that's the way it sounded, that I get that all the time from her. That's not what I meant at all. I meant, of course, what I get is in, when I do a lot of counseling that that's something that comes up, negativity and all of those things, and what was so funny is we were in staff meeting Tuesday, and we, ev- we evaluate everything on every Tuesday. We go through, we do strengths and weaknesses, music, greeting, sermon, altar, transit, everything, and Pastor Cody <laughs> got to her. She said, Pastor, I love the message, and this and that was good, and she said, but What did you mean? I said, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You're crazy. I went back into the video, and I did that. So just to clear things up, my wife is 100% affirming to me and loves me. And and come on. Yeah, she is. I get that all the time. All right. We left off with Joseph. If you were here last week, being put in prison for doing the right thing, being put in prison for doing the right thing, and we know the circumstances, he was, he was elevated to second in command in Potiphar's house. He became the administrator of this wealthy man over many, many people and over his finances and everything. The word of God says that Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything except what to eat and drink at night. Pretty nice. This guy, Joseph, was talented. And God promoted him, but then Potiphar's wife had a thing for him. And, and, and Potiphar refused her advances. And then he began to hide from her and get away from her and run from her. And one day she grabbed him from behind and he, he you know, tried to get away. And as he was getting away, his coat came off and she kept that. And she lied about Joseph, said that he had raped her. And then Potiphar really didn't have a choice because she had the, the proof in her hand, and he put him in prison for doing the right thing. But I'm, as I was studying this, and I told you this, I think somewhere in Potiphar's mind, he knew something was, was amiss with this. And that's why he spared his life and put him in prison instead of executing him, because that was Potiphar's job. He was the chief executioner. That was his position in the palace. But I think he spared Joseph's life because he knew something was wrong with this situation. Let's see what happens next in our story in Genesis 39, beginning with verse 21. I'm in the New Living Translation. It's going to be on the screen. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. How did it start out last week? Do you remember? But the Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. And now he's with him in the prison, showing him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite. Everybody say favorite. A favorite with the prison warden. I want you to look at the screen. Here's the first point. You need to write these down. These are good today. The favor of God has nothing to do with your surroundings. The favor of God has nothing to do with your surroundings. The favor of God has nothing to do with your geographical location. Joseph was favored in Jacob's house. Joseph was favored in the pit. Joseph was favored in Potiphar's house. Now Joseph is favored in the prison and we're gonna find out Joseph is also favored in the palace. Don't make, oh, you, you need to write this. I didn't put it on the screen. I wish I would have. Listen to me. Do not make the mistake of comparing the favor of God to material blessings. I'm gonna say it again because this, this may be, I, did, I should I, I have put it on the screen. Do not make the mistake of comparing the favor of God to material blessings, who do you think the most favored person was in the, besides Jesus the most favored person was in the entire Bible? You might want to guess? It's Mother's Day. let me a little hint. Mary. Mary, the Word of God, I feel the presence of. The Word of God said she was favored above all women and yet she had to watch her son be tortured and brutally killed favor see the problem is we get our american paradigm of favor is who has the corner office who gets the promotion who drives the nicest car who has the nicest house Folks, that's not the favor of God. Those are fine, and that's nothing wrong with those. Those are material blessings, but the favor of God is not the same thing as that. Look at the screen. The favor of God is about the person of God being active in your life. The favor of God is about the person of God being active in your life, no matter where you are no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what position you're in, no matter what trials or tribulations you may be going through, and guess what? We can choose to walk in the favor of God. We choose how active we want God to be in our life. It's called free will, and we can choose how active we When's the last time you prayed? God, be active in my life. Be active in my family. Let the favor of God go before us and behind us and flank us to our left and to our right. Verse 22. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Can you see a pattern here in his life? This is almost word for word the description of him in Potiphar's house. Almost identical. Listen, if you are walking with God, If his character is obvious in your life, your present situation, your present circumstance, your present surroundings mean nothing. God can promote you wherever you are in whatever situation you're in. He can cause his favor to advance you, come on, no matter where you are. Let's go on, Genesis 40, verse one. Sometime later, and this is several years, He's in prison, folks. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. Who was the captain of the guard? Potiphar. Isn't that that crazy to think about? They remained in prison for quite some time, several more years. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. It's, it's just weird. I never saw this before. But Potiphar continues to use Joseph even in prison. Verse 5. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. I want you to get something here. I didn't see this before. This is important. Notice that Joseph cared enough to ask. Do you think for one second that anyone else in that prison gave a rip about how the cupbearer and the baker slept that night? Come on. They didn't care one bit about these guys, but Joseph cared enough. To ask. And why did he? Because God cares. And as bad as it was, and as long as he had been already in prison, and as bad as the circumstances were, he never failed to let God's character flow through him. Look at the screen. Here's another really important takeaway. Don't let your circumstances dictate your behavior. Don't let your circumstances dictate your behavior, your character, your reaction, your motivation. You know what? You'll never know who you really are until you're tested to the point of breaking. You'll never know who you really, really are and what kind of character you really have and what kind of faith you really have until you are tested to the breaking point. When I go on mission trips, hard ones, the real, like, out of the country, tough, tough ones, and I go with some people that I've never been with before, I watch them, that have never been on one, I watch them very closely. I watch to see how they do when there's no air conditioning. I watch to see how they do in in very unusual circumstances, circumstances they've never been in before, sometimes very tense, sometimes even dangerous, and see how they do. I watch to see how they do when they don't get get enough sleep, when they don't get to eat what they're used to eating and have the schedule that they're used to having. And then, I see your true color shining through. How many know? Now, listen, we're talking about Joseph. We're talking about his situation. Have you ever heard the saying, better take the high road? Well, folks, for the believer in Christ, there is no other choice. Uh, y'all, about three people got that. For the believer in Jesus, the follower of Christ, there is no other road to take. There is no other option. Oh, your flesh will tell you there is. Ooh, glory. You know it. You know what you want to do, but that's not a choice for the believer. Not even on the table. The high road is the only road for those who are in Christ. God might be doing, listen, his biggest plans for your life. God may be working his biggest plans in your life right in the middle of your darkest hour. And how you react. How you respond, the decisions you make in those moments will make all the difference in the world. That one person clapping. Do y'all believe that? I know, I know, I know. That's tough. That's a tough word, but it's the word of God. It's the word of God. Don't, Don't derail your dream. by acting inappropriately in those tough times. Let me say it one more time. Don't let your circumstances dictate your behavior and how you treat other people. (laughs) Let me just tag that on the end there, okay? So you're clear on what I mean. Never stop caring. Never stop loving. Never stop serving. No matter what is happening, around you. Verse 8, and they, being the baker and the cupbearer, replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one could tell us what they mean. That's why they were moping around. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied, meaning only God can help you. He's, He's giving God credit. Only God can help you. Then he says, go ahead and tell me your dreams. In other words, it's a good thing I'm close to God. It's a good thing. Only God can help you, but it's a good thing you came to me because I'm close to God. So tell me your dreams. Verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 12. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me. Please remember me. And do me a what? Favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. I'm going to read between, take the liberty here and read between the lines. What he's saying is, I look, I may be in charge down here. I may have been given some favor down here in this prison, but it's still hell on earth. And I know that God has better for me. I know that the dream doesn't end here. I know God has. Somebody get excited that God has better for you. As a matter of fact, I want you to say it. I want you to say that. God has better for me. God has better for me. Say it again in faith. God has better for me. And now I want to declare something over over you. It's on the screen. Your present surroundings... Don't cancel your future dreams. Do we have that slide? There it is. Your present surroundings don't cancel your future dreams. I want to declare that over you. Let me say it again. It's not getting into some of your hard heads. Your present surroundings, what's happening in your life right now that would say everything against what I'm trying to preach and and, and, and try to dictate to you the way that your life is going to be in the future has, listen, your surroundings, they do not cancel what God has put in your heart. Somebody receive that in Jesus' name. Joseph was in prison, but that did not cancel the dreams that he had when he was 17 years old. How many know that God has better for you? Come on, just, if you have to lift your hand by faith. It's been this way for so long, Pastor Allen. Hey, I'll lift your arm for you. You're, you're, our friends in Christ will lift our arms when necessary, amen? That's what the body of Christ is for. If you're having trouble proclaiming that and declaring that over your life this morning, I'll help you. When we At the end, I'll help you. If you you come down to the altar, I'll lift your arm. We'll lift up each other, because if God's put a God dream in your heart, nothing can stop it, in Jesus' name. Now, here's the problem. Your better may not line up with God's better. Your version of better may actually be making it worse. The reason I'm always talking and preaching about the importance of you having a quiet time with God every single day. A few minutes where you study the word of God, where you pray, where you worship alone. Get your phone out of the way. Turn it off. Whatever you have to do, don't be interrupted. Pick the same place every day, the same time. Pastor, I, I can't. You do what you want to do. I'm telling you, it will change your mind and your life. And the reason I keep talking about it and praying is because as as we do that and as we pray, then our better begins to line up with His better. And let me tell you something, his better is better than your better. Say that ten times faster. Ready? Verse, (laughs) Verse 16. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, oh, 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 I had a dream too. I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. Verse 18. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Not a favorable interpretation. Verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer, chief baker, to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. Have you ever been forgotten? Come on. Have you ever been left out? Have you ever been passed over for that promotion that you just knew you were going to get? Students, have you ever gotten picked last? That's not students. That's all of us. We've all been through that, haven't we? Not some of you. Forget it. I always got picked first, Pastor, because I was good. Did you ever try out for the team and not make it? Those are devastating times. But they're nothing compared to this. We're talking about prison. And we're not talking about the American prison system where there are rules and regulations. It's not easy. I'm not saying that going to prison is easy. I'm just saying it was nothing like it was then. There was no sanitation. It was horrible. There were no regulations. You might eat or you might not. Most of those people would die in those prisons. Listen to what the very next verse, the very next verse says Genesis 41:1. Two full years later. Two full years later. It's one thing to be passed over for promotion or, or not make the team, but we're talking about prison, as I said. Now listen, don't you think he had a glimmer of hope when he interpreted those dreams for the cupbearer and the baker and they came to pass, just as he said, he thought, oh, it's only going to be a matter of days because surely the cupbearer will be like... That dude is special. He he got it right on. I need to tell Pharaoh about him, but that's not what happened. The guy forgot about him and he spent another two years in prison. Don't you think Joseph felt forgotten? Not just by the cupbearer, but by who? By God. Maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you feel like You've been forgotten by God Because surely after this amount of time He would have done something I mean a decade has passed And Joseph is in prison A decade total And maybe it's been that long or longer in your life Maybe you're asking the question this morning Where is God in my situation? How long is he going to remain silent? Can I declare something and just, you're gonna have to take this by faith. You're gonna have to hear me because at this point, you don't have much to grab onto. I understand that. But I want to declare something based on the word of God. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he isn't at work. Just because God is silent right now in this season doesn't mean that he's not at work. Let's continue with that scripture. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. I'm going to summarize because we don't have time to read it all. But Pharaoh, after two years went by, he had two dreams... And then he called his wise men in to try to interpret the dreams, and they couldn't do it. Nobody could interpret the dreams. They were really bothersome to him. He knew there was some kind of meaning there, but nobody could interpret the dreams. And the cupbearer goes, oh, yeah, I remember this dude in the prison, and he interpreted my dream exactly. Maybe you could call him up here, and he could interpret yours. So skip to verse 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here could tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret. I love Joseph's response. He still gives back glory to God and honor to God. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means to set you at ease, even after all of what he'd been through. Even after probably feeling forgotten and alone, he still clings and holds on to his faith. And let me tell you something, sometimes that's all you can do. That's all I can do. It's just hold on. Hold on. Because we know God is at work. Hold on. I'm telling somebody today, hold on. Don't give up. I'm prophesying. I'm telling you, God is at work. Work if you will continue to honor God and honor him in what you do. So Pharaoh tells Joseph two dreams. One dream is about some healthy cows and some unhealthy cows. And the unhealthy cows swallow up the healthy cows. And then the next dream is about some heads of grain. Same thing, healthy, unhealthy. And the the unhealthy ones swallow up. And so verse 25, Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. Verse 28, this will happen just as I described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. Are you hearing this? He constantly gives credit and honor to God, even though he has spent the last 10 years in hell. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterward there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. Skip to verse 33. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent, and wise man, and put him in charge of the land. I can just hear him clear his throat. <clears> throat> this guy. Verse 37. Oh, and then he, 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 uh, he explains his plan. He doesn't just say, find a wise man, but hey, hey by the way, here is my plan. Here is my plan. Verse 37 says, Joseph's suggestions were all well received by Pharaoh and his officials, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously, get this, filled with the spirit of God? That's that. You probably have read this story before and passed right over that. Folks, listen to me. In that culture, Pharaoh saw himself as a god. Pharaoh was worshipped. As a God. And here he recognizes and proclaims out loud this young man has the spirit of Jehovah God in him. Folks, that's nothing but God's work, nothing but God's hand, nothing but God's favor and follow through with the promise. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I don't want this to sound cliche, but God can do the same for you. God will do the same for you if you remain in him. If you remain. Everybody say remain. Listen to what Jesus, our Lord, says about that word. John 15:5, I am the vine. You are the branches. We get that mixed up sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we think we're the one with the life. We think we're the ones with the best vision and the best idea. It's not. We he is the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, if you spend time with me, if you commit to me. And I and you, you will, not you might, you will bear much fruit. That is a promise. But apart from me, cut off from me, away from me, you can do nothing. Folks, why do we keep trying it on our own? Why do we keep trying to work it out on our own? We just make it what? Worse. We've got to remain in him. We've got to learn perseverance and allow the Holy Spirit to develop patience. Woo! Woo! So hard, but possible with him. We're almost finished with this part of our story. Verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Skip to verse uh, 46. He, being Joseph, was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh. He was the prime minister. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land. Did you get how old he was there? How old? 30. How old was he when he had the dream? 17. 13 years. God promotes over. Time, not over night. God promotes over time, not overnight. Here's our big idea today. Our circumstances may change, but God's promises always our circumstances may and probably will change. Amen? Come on, church. But God's promises, what he's put in your heart, the things that he's put in this word, they will never, ever change. They always remain. Listen to me. God. I'm, I'm hesitating because you hear this all the time from people like me preachers, but God has a plan for your life, every single one of you, every single one of you, God has a plan, the only person that can stop that plan from happening is you. God has a divine purpose. We're all about connecting people to their God-given purpose. That's what we're all about. God has a divine purpose laid out for each of you. And the only person who can stop that is you. Not any devil, not any circumstance, not any, any, any kind of situation or, or boss or friend or ex-wife or Whatever. <laughs> Nobody can stop that except you. You have to choose to submit, to trust, to believe, and to remain in Him. Regardless of your surroundings, regardless of what's happening, regardless of the trial. But if you choose to remain attached to him, he will give you the strength to reach for the sky and your dreams that he's given you.